I'm Mike Breen, Public Awareness Officer for the American Mathematical Society, and I'm talking with Margot Garrickson, who's the Director of the Institute for Computational and Mathematical Engineering and in the Energy Resources Engineering Department at Stanford University. And Margot, can you tell us what areas of math are involved in the design and placement of wind turbines? Hi, Michael. Thanks very much for talking to me. Well, with wind turbines, we need a lot of mathematics. It's uh, the design itself that's quite complex. Most of the wind turbines that are being built right now are very big. I, I don't know if you've seen them, but they range from, say, 1.6 megawatt turbines to five, sometimes even seven megawatt turbines now. And, and they're meters in, in uh, diameter for the turbine blades. Some of the big ones that are offshore you know, could be over 100 meter diameter. And so with, with such great big structures, you have to be very careful in the design because of the forces and the stresses uh, that uh, in the material. And you need to make sure that those structures can withstand all the forces, especially when the wind comes from either unexpected directions or gusts. And so a lot of work is put in the design of the actual structure to make sure that it is strong enough and that the stress distribution in the system is sufficiently well designed so that it can withstand those forces and doesn't crack or, or, or break off or, or require maintenance too quickly. Now, most of these turbines are also now made out of composite materials, and that makes the analysis a little bit harder. Very often they are layered uh, in those materials, and designing uh, computational codes or mathematical models for the behavior of such composite materials, that's quite challenging. And the other reason why it's exciting, Michael, is because even though the wind speeds may not be so high, you know, when you design a wind turbine, you may do it for a design speed of seven meters per second or so, but the tips of these wind turbine blades, even when they rotate very slowly, they go pretty fast. And so the flow there of the air is quite interesting. Uh, it's not supersonic. You know, we, we don't develop shocks. In fact, we'd like to avoid this at all costs, but it's certainly the tips behave like pretty decent flying airplane. And so uh, there's all sorts of interesting stuff happening there with the flow and therefore also with the forces on the blades. When you're analyzing these blades, is it done with a simulation with a small blade or is it done strictly with equations and then trying to find approximate solutions? There's a, there's a combination. So you can't really do these things without having some validation data. So there's lots of wind tunnel experiments and also observations and measurements in the field of existing turbines that give us data to compare the computational models with. But most of the time, the design is aided by large computational models. So it's almost like building a virtual wind turbine on your computer. And this is certainly necessary for the design of these very large turbines that won't fit in the wind tunnel. Building smaller models is possible, and then you can scale it up. But sometimes that scaling is, is tricky, particularly when it comes to material properties. You can scale things like wind and, and actual dimensions of a turbine relatively well. They do the same for cars, for example, or for airplanes. They have small-scale models in, in wind tunnels, and they can say quite a bit of how that would relate to the larger models they're actually going to build. But material properties are always hard to scale up, and, and, and so we rely a lot on these computational models. And are they based on partial differential equations? Is that the crucial? Yes. 
there's lots of partial differential equations and also other constraints on them. So sometimes they're algebraic equations uh, combined with these as well. And it's not just one model. Very often there's multiple models that are interacting with each other. So you may have partial differential equations describing the behavior of the material under a certain loading from the wind. And that changes the shape, for example, of this turbine blade or, or the, the tower installation or the hub or everything together. And that then feeds back into a model with partial differential equations that describes the wind, the airflow. And then that gives you a new pressure field and that feeds back again in the model for the structure. So there is this constant interaction between these multiple models. Then the other thing is if you want to actually look at these computations for an actual wind farm, you may want to do this for multiple turbines. And then it's important to have a model that accurately represents the weather uh, or at least you know, a representation of this weather for a particular month or a couple of months out of the year. And so you would have a weather model coupled to that, which is typically run at a much larger scale. So you may run a regional weather model that then feeds into a local flow model for the wind turbines that feeds into a model for the structure. So there are all sorts of things happening there and lots of partial differential equations. That's Margot Gerritsen of Stanford University. And in part two, Margot will talk more about the models uh, and on the contrast between where she grew up in the Netherlands and where she lives now in the Bay Area of California.